Welcome to Focused, a productivity podcast about more than just cranking widgets. I'm David Sparks, and I'm joined by my fellow co-host, Mr. Mike Schmitz. Hi, Mike. Hey, David. How's it going? It's going great. You know, we're getting towards the end of the year. We got some cool end of the year content for the show today. Looking forward to talking about that. But we also have that calendar out there. Yes, we've sold a bunch of these. So thanks to everybody who has purchased one. But if you haven't purchased one yet and you still want to, there is still time. The link is in the show notes, but it's newyearneuyear.net slash products slash focused. And uh, we don't need to go into all the details with this, but there was a lot of thought that went into the design of this calendar. I think it looks great. I've got several on the way. And I know you've got a couple that are coming also. But uh, now is a great time to, to get your calendar as you're thinking about next year. One question I had for you, Mike, is so we, one of the things we've got on this calendar is kind of the Jerry Seinfeld, don't break the chain tools. We've got a thing at the bottom with, I think it's five different um, colors and you can, you know, mark off, like if you want to meditate every day or plan your day or whatever, uh, you could track that with this calendar. Have you got a plan for that? I've been thinking about this and I track my habits differently. Uh, I use streaks and I like it because it you can automate a lot of stuff with Siri and uh, with shortcuts. So like I can open up my Bible app and it automatically marks it as as finished for me. But if I was not doing this digitally and I wanted to track my habits manually, this is definitely the way I would do it. There's nothing in the calendar itself that forces you to do it. So all of the day spaces are blank, for example. But there is the key at the bottom where you can put in the things that are going to be recurring. And if you wanted to just mark in the lower corner of every single day, the, the day that you meditated, for example, and that was a specific color, just add a dot to that day. And that that's that build the uh, don't break the chain thing that you were talking about. So it's it's not something I'm going to personally do just because of where I am. But if you had talked to me a couple of years earlier, I probably would have done it that way. Well, I've been doing it analog for some time now. For, you know, every month I kind of make a sheet and I track several things on it. But I like the idea of it on this thing that faces me all day and I have to look at it. So I'm going to actually move over to that for 2020. I'm going to use that system. So I'm looking forward to, to doing it. Anyway, uh, Focus Calendar still out there. Uh, still a good deal. And you can still buy them. We'll put a link in the show notes. So I just got back from vacation, Mike. I did the catch-up day again. It worked. Still works, man. Awesome. So talk us through the specifics of your catch-up day. I just, I um, make no appointments, make no telephone calls, schedule no podcasts, have a full day to get through whatever email backlog and other things piled up while you were away. And, uh, And rather than making yourself miserable for a week trying to dig out from that hole, just spend one day digging out and be done with it. Nice. Yeah. The The trick is to, to put it on the calendar, like we said in the past, put it on the calendar the day you schedule the vacation. Sure. Yeah. I am kind of dealing with a lack of a catch-up day today because I just got back from a, a trip and fortunately no delays or anything like that. And it was kind of a fun trip, but uh, there were some things that had to get done this week. And I guess if I were to implement the, the catch-up day in the future, I maybe wouldn't travel Tuesday through Thursday, leave things to Friday that need to get done this week, maybe move the whole thing up a day, travel Monday through Wednesday, take Thursday as my my catch-up day, and then still have Friday to get back in and do whatever needs to get done. But 
I am failing in the uh, implementing the catch-up day at the moment, and I'm kind of feeling it a little bit. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I was gone for a week, so I needed a catch-up day. I would think for two or three days you could have a catch-up morning or a catch-up afternoon, but the um, but I think that it just has to be part of every trip planning for me now going forward. It makes such a big difference, and uh, I, I've got religion about that. So uh, anytime, like I'm, I've got a couple speaking engagements in 2020, and in addition to sticking them on my wall calendar, I'm going to be putting that catch-up day in for each one. I just think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, my friend Mike Curley does a thing where where he goes to an event or a conference, and he'll stay for a few extra days. And uh, he talked about that on the most recent episode of Cortex. He calls it, uh, I think, Hurley Days or something yep. like that. I, you know, I don't know if that makes sense for me. Uh, it's an interesting kind of take on it because, you know, I think it could make sense for you with five kids. Uh, with me, my <laughs> kids are grown enough that when I get home, I say, "Look, I need to be left alone for a day." They, they'll leave me alone for a day. So, uh, I'm not sure I need something like that. But, but just having space after travel. Uh, to get all the little things taken care of that that really cause me a lot of distraction if I don't take care of them right away is a good idea. Totally. Yeah, and I think you're right that the Hurley Day approach probably works a little bit better for me. The uh, thing that's always held me back from that is typically when I travel, I just want to get home. But you're right. As yeah. soon as you get home, then five young kids, it's back into the whirlwind. So At the same time, you're leaving your home your wife home with five kids and it's like you need to relieve her right so it's it's tough well she actually came with me this time which was kind of nice but um but yeah the 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 basic idea i think is to think about where you can insert some margin i'm kind of going through my own margin spirit quests i'm thinking about the the end of the year rereading that book by richard swenson and uh recognizing the value of it in a lot of different areas of my life yeah yeah, in fact, that really kind of fits into our next segment. And uh, we wanted to talk about scorecards, I guess, for lack of a better term. But we've been making the Focus podcast for a year. Mike and I made this transition to the show to Focus because both of us feel so strongly. I mean, I, I think I said it when we first started this show, but I think to me, the ability to focus and get, you know, blocks of work done is what's going to make the difference going into the future. I think that's something that people have lost a little bit with this attention grabbing um, culture we live in. And if you can figure out focus, uh, it can be your superpower. And uh, we talk about it, you know, we talk the talk or we walk in the walk. So I thought we'd both kind of take a moment to scorecard ourselves on focus and what's worked and not worked for us over the last year. Sure. And even before that, a general observation as we've been talking about focus for an entire year. I don't know how you felt when we started it. Uh, I anticipated that we would not tire of talking about the topic, but in the back of my head, I was kind of thinking, well, maybe there's only so much you can say on this topic. And by the time we get to December, are we going to be sick of it? Have we exhausted everything as it pertains to focus? Is the well dry? And uh, that definitely no. <laughs> is not the case for me. The more I talk about it, the more jacked up I get about the topic of focus and the more I want to talk about it. Same experience for you? Yeah, I mean, there's layers to this that I feel like we've only scratched the surface of. Uh, my own journey on this, I still have a long way to go, as the last month can attest. Um, so it's just, um, no, I, I feel like there's a lot left in the tank on this. 
Yeah. And I think that's the other thing is you mentioned we still fail at this stuff all the time, (laughs) which is kind of interesting as we're talking about how we've done over the last year. Uh, I proposed something kind of in response to what Mike had talked about when he was on the last episode with the yearly themes where they pick a word and that's the, the word for the year going forward. I just was at the Blanc Media team uh, Christmas dinner and and Sean asked everybody to pick a word that summarized the last year. So kind of to reflect on what has happened. And I think there's value in both of those approaches, but I thought it might be kind of fun to sum up the last year as it pertains to our focus on the things that move the needle, you know, to touch all of the things that we've talked about over the last year, you know, what's, yeah. what's the one word for you that encapsulates how everything is gone? And uh, I guess you want, want me to go first? Yeah, go for it. Okay. What, how, what's your year in a word? My year in a word is reset. And I struggled with this one when Sean asked me about it. Because honestly, this has been one of the most difficult years of my life. So the first thing that actually came to mind was something like turmoil. (laughs) But I didn't like the negative connotation associated with that because there has been a lot of good stuff that's happened too. But basically, from the beginning of the year till now, a lot of the things that I assumed were true have been wrong. I've basically had to rethink a lot of different things. And that's been challenging. Uh, There's been several significant changes that have happened both in my work and my personal life. There's a lot of positives that came from it, though. That's kind of what I want to focus on here. And that's why I chose the word reset. So the the one big thing, which has come from my, my current work situation is that I've regained a lot of margin. And as I've been reading, rereading that book Margin by Richard Swenson, It's really impacting me this time around because I recognize now that a lot of the stuff that I was feeling and dealing with at the beginning of the year was my own fault because I had neglected margin. In the book, he talks about a couple different areas, time, finances, physical, emotional. Emotional is the biggest one for me. And Richard Swenson actually says that that's the most important one too. We've got a whole episode devoted to the topic of margin with Sean, if you want to go back and listen to that. So we won't rehash it all here. But basically, I found that I had no margin. And then when I got pushed past my limit, I didn't have the extra stuff in the tank to deal with it very well. I made a a lot of mistakes. There were times when I just felt like I don't want to do anything. You know, we talk about focus and motivation and all that type of stuff. But truth is that there were times over the last year where I was like, I don't know if this is ever going to change. And I I don't have enough to, to keep going. Those seasons never lasted very long, thankfully, but just bearing my soul here, you know, that's, that's something that, that happened this year. So I've, I've regained a lot of that margin now though. And I recognize that this is all kind of interrelated as my day-to-day work has changed. One of the big things that has helped a lot is that Blanc Media operates with these eighth week sabbaticals. So the whole company basically shuts down every eighth week and you, you're forced to take a break. When I first started doing it, I didn't want to do it. I wanted to keep working on my projects. (laughs) But I found that that has helped a lot, especially with the emotional margin. And as as I've gained more emotional margin, everything else gets easier too. I feel better, even though I've been dealing with some sickness recently. 
Uh, physically, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good. I've got more margin in my time. We've got more margin in our finances, which has allowed us to kind of, kind of change the perspective too. If you find yourself, because I, I was there and I recognize that now that I've, I've got a little bit more margin here. Like if you find yourself uh, overspending, a lot of times the cause can be that you have no margin and you feel like, well, I just need to buy something. I need to buy the new AirPods or I need to buy myself a, a fancy dinner as like a way of coping. And I've recognized it as I get more margin, it's actually easier to save. And that's that's kind of applied in all the different areas. Now, I, I contribute a lot of that to the, the to how my, my day-to-day work has has changed. Yeah, I mean, you've been through a lot this year. I mean, you because you the that your job changed, your main job changed. Yeah. And that's one of the, you know, huge stress indicators for people. I mean, you one day you think you're good in one place and find out that you're not there anymore and and you still have five children to clothe and feed and how do you figure that out? Yep, exactly. And the more margin you have, the better you're able to deal with the pain that comes from some of that stress. You know, the stress isn't necessarily bad unless you can't handle it. And if it's systemic too, if there's certain things in your life that are causing you a lot of stress, you, you probably want to change those. But I guess the the revelation I got was that an event that causes stress shouldn't cause me my and my life to go off the rails. And yeah. it kind of happened. It wasn't, like I said, wasn't uh, super... I almost hesitate to talk about it because I know that there are people who are dealing with dealing with much more serious issues than than I did. But as I look back, I recognize that you know where I was wasn't great. Where I am now is a lot better, and it's because of it's totally because of margin. So, what did you do to affect that? Well, uh, the big thing was the 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 work that I was doing. Uh, changed a lot working with Sean and and the expectations and the company culture changed a lot. And uh, we've talked about Basecamp before. There's a lot of things that I don't like about Basecamp, but the big thing I do like about Basecamp is it completely changes the expectations in terms of communication and how you're not not expected to be on on call basically, uh, like you would be using another team communication tool like Slack. And again, it's in how you use it. I know that, but Basecamp, it, their whole company ethos behind, I guess now it's just called Basecamp. It used to be 37 Signals, but Jason Fried's company has been this, this calm company. You know, he wrote the book. It doesn't have to be crazy at work. Uh, that's, that's helped a lot. And as I've achieved margin there, it's, it's kind of affected every area of my life. I recognize I have more margin in my, my personal life. In fact, the other day, my wife made a comment. She, she she seems to always make the comments at the right time that bring the clarity to the, my situation. Uh, she said something. We were I was upstairs, like taking a break from work, goofing around with the kids, and uh, she said something along the lines of "It's it's good to see you joking around like that again, or having fun again, or something like that." I was like, "Hmm, I guess you're right. You know, I, I haven't been doing that in in a while. I gotta and and I recognize at that moment because it felt so natural, obviously in the moment that." Yeah, I guess I, I have made a lot of progress to borrow your word in in that area, but uh, it's it's helped everything. It's helped things at home just seem like not that big a deal anymore. It's it's something that you can deal with and overcome as opposed to here's all of these things that are going wrong, and every single one of them is an attack on me personally and getting bent out of shape about those things. It's just no big deal. Yeah, I do think that, you know, it's easy to lose perspective when you lose margin. I mean, I think 
that's one of the other benefits of having that extra time is it, it gives you kind of a better view on things that go well and things that don't go well. And, and that, that allows you to kind of free up your personality that, you know, your, your joy comes out more when you've got space. Yep, definitely. I've got a couple other things here I'll, I'll list, but margin is definitely the the big one. I could probably say my word for the year is margin as well, but I feel like there's a lot of specific ways for focus listeners where this could be applied that's probably a little bit more helpful. Um, I also reinvented the way that I, I plan my day, and I still use GoodNotes, and I still plan my day using the template that I created but we've talked about this before. I do that now in the evening, the night before, instead of the morning of. Uh, and really, actually, I used to do it sometimes the night before as well, but the approach to it is really the thing that's changed. Instead of me filling that out and saying, this is the plan for the day, it's kind of a shutdown ritual. It's my way of getting it on the paper and off the mind in terms of the things that I'm going to have to do tomorrow or that I want to do tomorrow. So I, I time block everything. I write down my most important tasks, but that's kind of a way of clearing the decks now. And then when I wake up in the morning, I look at that. I also look at Basecamp to see if there's anything anybody needs help with. And I feel that because I did that when I shut down at the end of the day yesterday, that it gives me permission to kind of just chuck it. It's like, oh, that's old. <laughs> you know. And if I want to do something totally different, I can do that. And I simply write out three to five things in my Baron Fig notebook using my fancy fountain pen, which I just got another one. I got a Twisby 580, the piston filler one. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you know, I write, write those things down in the morning. It forces me to, to kind of slow down and reevaluate things. And it's one of those things that does bring me joy. And uh, I find that very effective in terms of guiding the work that I'm doing throughout the day, but also not interfering with it. I don't feel like I have to manage the system just jotted down a few things and occasionally I'll look at it and oh yeah, I got to do that. And uh, when I'm done, I check it off and it, it feels good. How much time do you find yourself putting into that process of creating the list the night before and the morning of? It's really not that much. Uh, probably the day before is a little bit longer, maybe five to 10 minutes. But uh, usually the, the most important task that I list on there and I've capped it to five. So I, I force myself to say, you know, these are the five things you're going to do the next day and not more than that. And I uh, usually then one of two things will happen as I transfer it to paper. Uh, I will, well, actually one of three things. If, if I feel like that's still accurate, I'll just jot it down. Um, uh, if I feel like it's too much, I will, cut off usually the the bottom thing or maybe the bottom two things, bring it from five to three. Or I will look at Basecamp, see something that is more urgent, like someone needs help with something that we're going to launch soon. Uh, and I'll jump in and help with that. And I'll just chuck the entire list. And that process only takes a couple of minutes. That decision making regarding what goes on the paper list for the day is almost instantaneous. And it just is feels like intuition. It's like, yeah, this is obviously the right thing to do, <laughs> no matter which of those three scenarios I pick. I feel the same way. I was always resistant to additional planning because I felt like, well, I'm doing it already in OmniFocus. But taking the extra step to write it out to me, uh, number one, helps a lot. And, and I'll discuss that when I talk about my year. But it also takes remarkably little time. You know, so if, if you're thinking about doing this as an experiment, don't think that it's going to cost you an hour a day to do this. It really doesn't. So, yep. um, 
but that was something in my head I was thinking. That's the reason why it took me so long to kind of give it a shot because I was thinking, I don't want to spend more time, you know, working on planning. I want to spend more time getting things done. And, but just adding a little extra step does make a big difference. It, well, that, that kind of goes along with the whole margin idea is to simplify. You know, that's a big theme for me too, is I've been reconsidering all of the things that I'm doing and all the systems that I've created. And are they too complicated? At the beginning of the year, when the crap hit the fan, there were some things that were too complicated that I fell, fell off on. And then it's kind of given me the, the ability to reinvent those things and restart some of those, those habits in, in a way that's more sustainable. Uh, one yeah. of the things that I, I'm also rereading Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink, and they have a phrase in there, the enemy gets a vote. They have a whole chapter in that, that book devoted to simplicity and, and making the plan simple as it pertains to leadership and communicating it to the people that you're trying to manage. But I also think that this applies personally. The more complicated the plan is, the more opportunity there are for things to mess it up. And so if you just keep things really simple, you have a much better chance of, of things going according to plan. And then also, when you don't have all that complexity, that adds more mental margin for you to, to deal with things as they, do, uh, as they do pop up, because this is just the way things work. It's almost on autopilot at that point, but it requires that things be as simple as possible. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. You also this year, I understand, got more serious about meditation. <laughs> yes. I don't know if you could say serious yet, but I have been meditating using Headspace. I did break my my streak uh, the other day, but it's back up to like 13 days. And uh, again, I'm just trying to keep it simple. So I'm using Headspace because I can choose how long to do it for. And I started with just the three-minute one, uh, just so I could start doing it every single day. Yeah. And that's gone up to, to five minutes now, and it may not go any further than that. I, I really don't know because I don't want to make it difficult to the point where it adds more friction. And every single morning, I'm struggling to make this thing happen. It's, it's got to be simple. It's got to be easy. And so far, that has, that has stuck for the first time. Again, I'm not ready to declare this a complete success yet because it's, it's only been a couple of months. But that is something that I've restarted this year. I've also reestablished my journaling habit. That was something that kind of fell uh, by the wayside at the beginning of the year, which looking back on it now, it's kind of like that's maybe the worst thing that could I could have done is stopped journaling when I was going through all that stuff. But hindsight is twenty twenty, <laughs> And uh, I have been journaling every day now for a couple of months inside of day one without missing. I've switched my structure and how this works. I used to have a um, a, a template inside of shortcuts where I would fill out the prompts and then it would format it into a table. But day one has these awesome looking templates now and I found that it's more work than it's worth. And so I just transferred a couple of prompts. I simplified it again. I cut out a couple of the questions that I was asking myself. And now I'm, I'm basically just a couple of self-quantified uh, self self-type questions and then a, a rating for myself. I know we talked with Mike about how he doesn't like the, the, the star ratings. I don't really struggle with that. I give myself a rating every single day from one to five stars. Uh, five stars is just I absolutely knocked it out of the park. If I had a good day, that's four. And then everything under that, you know, is three, two, or one. Um, I really haven't had any, <laughs> had any ones, <laughs> knock on wood. Uh, but I'll record that. I'll record something that I'm grateful for. I'll record what the highlight was uh, if I worked out that day. And then I ask myself, what did I get out of the day? So I always want to leave with 
some sort of learning or some sort of observation. Like I jotted one down over Thanksgiving because we actually spent Thanksgiving with both of our families. We went to Rachel's family in the morning, my family in the the afternoon. Uh, when I was journaling that night, I put, I have people limits. <laughs> There's, I, I, reach a, I reach a point where this introvert just wants to be alone. <laughs> yeah. I, I got to recognize that because uh, it could create some awkward situations if I you know, am in a, situ- am in a scenario where I am desperately needing uh, a little bit of alone time and I can't get it and I get pushed over the edge. You know, I, and margin helps manage that stuff too. But recognizing that, you know, is, is valuable. And, and next time I'll try to build in a little bit more, <laughs> a little bit more uh, people margin as well. Yeah. One of the things that I realized this year is that the, the combination, I, I kind of knew it, but it, it really sunk in for me this year. For, for me, the combination of a, a active meditation practice, which mine is, is a little more extensive than yours, um, and a journaling practice, it's just a great those two things combined for a sense of self-knowledge that I didn't have before, you know, and, uh, and it, it's the combination. I think it's the combination of the meditation and sitting down at the end of the day and, and writing down some thoughts, not for future generations, but just for my own kind of like navel gazing tendencies. And it really helps for me to stop and do that every day. And when I don't, things start to fall apart. So, um, that was a, a big realization for me this year. Yeah, totally. And again, we've talked about that stuff at, at length in other other episodes, but I completely agree with, with both of those things that meditation kind of sets the course and helps you see things the right way as you for me, it's at the beginning of my day. So as I start yeah, my day as part of my too. morning routine. And then journaling helps me close the the book on, on the day and release things that would have maybe kept me up at night as my brain just can't let them go. If you jot them down, it's like a, a mental release and it helps me to sleep so I can do it again tomorrow. Yep. Agreed. I've also uh, rethought some of my technology uses. I've started this series over on the Sweet setup called Mindfulness Mondays, where we've done interviews with people, but also just a, a lot of posts on what I consider to be positive uses of technology. Uh, we've talk to uh, John Zaratsky of, of Make Time. That's kind of where this all started for me, I think, or where I really started to take it seriously. Uh, I recognized that I don't really want to have social media or email on my phone because it's going to eat up a bunch of time. But uh, but uh, that that was the reading that book. That was kind of the the catalyst for for taking it more seriously and, and building the systems into my technology where I'm not just eliminating things, but I am substituting things. So I have on my my home screen now nothing except my Bible app, my prayer app, my habit tracker, shortcuts. I've got my notes so I can take notes in my doc when I uh, am reading books. Day one, so I can journal, OmniFocus, and drafts. So if I want to jot down something, uh, it's it's right there. But all of the other stuff is in the back. And I've tried to substitute the time that I was using on things like Twitter, which happens to be the one thing that I keep falling back into uh, with positive things like I installed Duolingo and I started learning uh, I started learning Spanish. I'm still not very good at it, but I've got a 114 day streak going. <laughs> and uh, it's it's kind of cool now as I go through it, I recognize every time I open the app, you know, my, I see my my streak 
counter go up when I complete the lessons. And it's it, it's on one one level, it's cool because it's the don't break the chain concept and it brings motivation. But also 114 days is really not that that long. And I go through these activities now and I can comprehend and and even speak things that there's no I had no idea what any of that stuff meant, even a couple of months ago. And so that's kind of cool to see the the growth that that has happened in in the short amount of time just by making uh, positive intentional technology use habit. Yeah. Well, Mike, it sounds like you did reset this year. I did. And as I was thinking about this, I was challenged to give myself a grade. I'm not sure if you how, how uh, specific you want to get with the the grading stuff here, but I, I'll just I'll just share for for me, I'm going to give myself a B. And I'm going to give myself a B because while there was a lot of stuff that didn't go according to plan, especially at the beginning of the year, I think the real important thing for me is that I recovered and I'm on a much better trajectory right now. I also, as I reflected on this last year, recognized that a lot of the habits that I had created prior to going through that difficult period, they helped me navigate what was honestly one of the most difficult periods of my entire life. And I'm not sure I would be in the position I am today if I hadn't pedaled before I hit the hill, if that makes any sense. Like getting that momentum in terms yeah. of the like the Bible reading and the prayer specifically, I, I don't miss a day with those. And if I didn't have those, then even though like the journaling fell off and, and meditation didn't really stick, like those things were rock solid. And without those, I think maybe I had less of an anchor, a little bit less stability. Who knows how that that could have uh, that could have ended up. I feel like now, like I wasn't there for you, man. I didn't realize it was that hard for you. you well, that's you, uh, my my own stinking fault because I I I tend to to just say everything is fine, right? And probably a lot of us do. I think specifically, if you listen to podcasts or social media or anything like that, that's the tendency is to project that everything is okay. And there's a lot of value in taking an honest look, and that's why journaling is so important. I think. Uh, you have to be honest with what is actually going on. The fact that you are feeling a certain way, that's not a judgment against you as a person. And you need to have someone or something, even if it's just writing it down in your journal, a way of expressing that. If you keep it bottled in, it's 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 not going to be good. Um, so I don't I don't blame you <laughs> at all. Uh, it's it's my my own my own problem. You know, I I try to I try to do it all myself. Uh, I have to get better at trusting people, uh, opening up to people, sharing my failures. You know, Joe and I talked about that recently on Bookworm, which is why I'm honestly going into as much detail here as as I am, because I recognize that this is something I got to get better at. Well, uh, overall, though, it sounds like you're in a better place now than you were at the beginning of the year. Yes, absolutely. Um, just a couple other thoughts, I guess, you know, like just to summarize I mentioned this earlier, but my lack of margin quickly became evident, and I I needed to rethink pretty much everything that I uh, that I, I I assumed was true. And to be honest, David, since you were beating yourself up about not being there for me, I will say publicly that you were one of the people that was there for me, and I did talk to you, and you talked me through some things and helped me to see things the the right way. So I want to thank you publicly for that, and encourage everybody else to find somebody that you can contact and talk to in your darkest hour. You need to be able to have those people who will talk you off the the ledge. And you were definitely that at different times over this this last year for me, David. So I thank you for that. Um, and ultimately, 
you know the the if I were to encapsulate all of this, it, it would just be to say that I feel like I'm in a much better and more sustainable place now. Like I said, when I was going through it, it didn't even seem that bad. But now that I've got the distance and I have more margin in my life, I recognize how much more difficult things were. <laughs> in the moment, it's just like, oh, here's the next thing in front of you. You got to figure out how to do it. And and you do it and you move on. But now that I'm looking back at it, I'm like, man, that was actually pretty difficult. And I feel like I'm in a much better place now. Well, I'm happy to hear that. All right. Well, we're going to talk about my scorecard right after this. This episode of the Focus Podcast is brought to you by Squarespace. Make your next move with Squarespace. Enter offer code FOCUS at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. So what is Squarespace? You've probably heard about it, but maybe you haven't. If you're making a website, Squarespace is the place you need to go. Squarespace lets you easily create a website for your next big idea with a unique domain, award-winning templates, and more. So maybe you want to create an online store or a portfolio or a blog. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that lets you do just that. There's nothing to install, no patches to worry about, no upgrades needed. You don't have to worry about any of that stuff. Squarespace has got it all covered. They have award-winning 24-7 customer support if you need any help, and they let you quickly and easily grab a unique domain name when you're setting it up. That used to be one of the big barriers of setting up a new website is not only do you have to get a hosting company, you got to figure out how to get the domain. Well, with Squarespace, you can do it all at one place. It's just handled for you. And all of those award-winning templates are beautifully designed for you to show off your great ideas. One of the things I love about the Squarespace templates is that they're different. They don't, they're not identifiable as a Squarespace website. Some of the uh, similar services in years past, you could tell what service someone was using just by the look of the website. With Squarespace, you can customize it to your heart's content. And I've done that with both maxsparky.com and sparksesq.com, both my legal and my, my geek websites, which are both hosted through Squarespace. I'm a fan. I was a fan before they started sponsoring the show, and I'll continue to be a user long after they stop. It's just, for me, the perfect solution because I am a geek, but I don't really want to be a website geek. I don't want to spend a bunch of time managing plugins and all the stuff which that comes with rolling your own website. With Squarespace, you get in there for that, you know, it's, it starts at just $12 a month, and they just do everything for you. They do the hosting, they've got the software, and the software is really powerful. You can go in and make little tweaks anytime you want, or you can make big tweaks. I was just in my website this week making a few changes to it. Um, I've just been a very happy customer. I've never had a problem. And I really joined Squarespace out of rage because I was trying to do my own and it was nothing but problems. And, and all that just ended when I signed up for Squarespace. So whether you're building your own website or maybe you know somebody that's getting ready to start a new business or has a great idea and they want to get it on the internet, uh, get it set up with Squarespace. You won't regret it. Um, like I said, the plan started just $12 a month, but you can start a trial with no credit card required by going to squarespace.com slash focused, F-O-C-U-S-E-D. So when you decide to sign up, use the offer code focused to get 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain and to show your support for the show. Once again, that's squarespace.com slash focused with the offer code focused to get 10% off your first purchase. We thank Squarespace for their support of this show and all of Relay FM. Squarespace, make your next move, make your next website. 
Well, Mike, I feel like um, I feel I already feel inadequate because you did such a good job of summing up your year of focus. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's okay. I, I do have some thoughts about kind of looking back on myself and and grading myself for the past year. And this has been an ongoing journey for me. I feel like I. It, you know, this show, one of the reasons we made the show is I came in as the alcoholic and you came in as the therapist. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's always been an issue for me. Margin has always been an issue. Uh, my year in a word came to me immediately when you said, let's put, you know, let's put a, a summary on the year. It was progress. You know, I, I feel like this whole journey of focus is not a destination thing. You're not, you're never going to get there. In fact, I've had a reminder of that over the last month or so with where I've fallen off the wagon a little bit, and I'll talk about that in a minute. But the, uh, but you're never going to get there. But you are going to, you can get better at this if you're mindful of it, and that's the reason why we show up on your podcast player of choice every two weeks with a guest or this content because we want to get better at the journey. We want you to get better at it. And this year, I definitely made some progress. Um, some big changes that helped this year um, is I got more intentional about the shutdown. That was the part that I always knew I needed to be more intentional about. And this year, I, I just really put the hammer on myself to do that. Um, and what I mean by that is, for me, and this isn't true for everyone, and I've talked about this a little bit pre previously on the show, but for me, that time at the end of the day where I plan the next day and shut down the current day, if I don't do that, things just go to hell really quickly. And I've always kind of known that, but at the same time, at the end of the day, I'm tired and I always seem to find an excuse not to do it. Well, this is the year that I kind of refuse to accept excuses. I, I did crazy things like I have a keyboard maestro script that every day at 4.30 puts a big thing in the center of my screen and, and minimizes applications and says, stop what you're doing and shut down. <laughs> That's pretty extreme. And, well, you know, I, but that's what I needed because yeah. I, you know, and, and even though I have the feedback loop now, now that I've been doing it and I see how much more productive I can be the following day, if I take the time to shut down, I still have days where shutdown time comes and I say to myself, eh, I don't really need to do it today. It's okay. I can make an exception. And uh, so I'm not going to say the habit is in yet because I still miss it on occasion uh, but I appreciate the value of it, and I've taken more extreme measures this year to make that shutdown happen, and I think that has helped me make progress. So what's all involved with your shutdown routine today? Is it still what it was a couple months ago when you started it, or how has it evolved? Well, I mean, I, I've been doing it basically all year, but it's... um you know, first shutdown is shutting down the current day. So I go back to email, I make a pass through email and I, um, and I look for if anything came up cause I don't check email, you know, frequently. So if something came up in the afternoon, I need to deal with it right there. I'll deal with it. But the, the default answer to email during the shutdown review is just to, to know it's there and, and have it on the radar for something I may need to deal with tomorrow and plan into tomorrow. But I also will deal with the numer if there's something there that needs my attention right then, then I will stop and deal with it. So that, you know, that's part of it. Um, so that's the first step. The files on my desktop, I always take a look at those. You know, this is part of the shutting today down part. 
So I look through the files on my desktop. If I've got stuff on my desktop, I, I try to get it filed away because, you know, just having kind of a clean desktop at the end of the day. Um, I also then start thinking about, you know, um, the following day. And I take a look in OmniFocus. I've created uh, very specific perspectives uh, around the three areas of my life, my personal, the Max Sparky stuff, and the legal stuff that show me um, the key tasks for today and the key tasks coming over the next week. And I go through those at the end of the day and I try to get realistic. This is one of the definite uh, rocky areas for me where I can crash because uh, even though it's the end of the day and I'm tired, I still am over-optimistic about the number of things I can do. So uh, one of the things I have to be aware of during the shutdown is, okay, am I biting off more than I can chew for tomorrow? You know. So not only at this point am I looking at what I finished today, I'm also looking at what I'm going to be putting on deck for the following day. I look at the calendar, do the same thing, you know, and then I open up a blank piece of paper in my journal and I write the next day on the top of it and I document the stuff that I've now committed to. So, and and I, that that has evolved over the year. I'll talk about the journal in a minute. Let's just put a, a pin in that. Uh, and, but that's 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 the main thing. And then afterwards I go back to the current day in the journal and I just write notes about what happened today and you know, where I, what kind of space I'm in. So that that's where I do journaling as well. The whole process, uh, it sounds like a lot. It doesn't really take that long. Um, at the most, it takes an hour. Usually it takes about a half hour. Okay. And the, the night, the advantage of this is when I, hit the desk the following morning it's it's like zero to 100 in 1.2 seconds you're just <laughs> you're just going you know a, and a tesla of productivity yeah exactly <laughs> there we go um but the uh it, it just and also like you it helps me sleep at night and, and kind of the shutdown evolves through the night too because sometimes it, it allows me to have a clear break off point between work and play so once the shutdown is done, then I can go spend time with my family, watch a little TV. Sometimes I'll journal more through the evening if I've got a lot on my mind. Um, but it's just a it's just a really great thing that I did this year, and, and that really made a lot of progress for me. And I can tell you that the times of this year where I have lost focus are the are times where the shutdown has got sloppy or or not happened. Yeah, that's that's. Interesting. I mean, it, I think it's probably human nature. I found myself in the this, doing the same thing, but we know exactly what causes us to function at at peak effectiveness. And then, as soon as we get there, we think that we don't need to do the things that allowed us to get there, <laughs> and yeah. then we reap the the, the harvest of the <laughs> the seeds that we've sown of neglect. Yeah, I, I've been hinting at that, but I I really you know I fell into that trap in like mid-October, an attorney friend of mine had a big project that he needed help with. And he's a friend of mine. I, he's done a lot for me over the years. I felt like my internal voice said, no, 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 you can't do that. You have too much going on right now, right? <laughs> and then, And then some part of me said, yes. And it was because looking at it in hindsight, it was really to help him because... I knew he needed this help, and I felt like I was one of the few people in his life that could give it to him. And I'm still really perplexed about this because it, it has caused me 
to not be as reliable to all my other commitments as I would normally be. You know, it, it has mm. cost me margin, I guess, to to put it simply. Sure. And that that whole thing is is wrapping up now, but it's delayed some of the field guide stuff. It has, like I said, it just made me less reliable. And I don't like the feeling I've had over the last couple of months so much so that um, I wasn't doing the right things. I wasn't doing the shutdowns and stuff because I just felt like I was out of time and out of space. And I felt really strung out for the first time in a long time, right before we, I just got back from vacation. We did our vacation this year, the week of Thanksgiving. Once you get a kid in college, you'll know why you do your vacation on Thanksgiving. But anyway, (laughs) um, so, so that came just in time and like having a solid week of family time. And even though I had to work on that project while I was on vacation, I still had a lot of family time too. Um, it kind of reset me and I came back and I feel better and I've got some kind of perspective on it now. And and now I'm in it. I just got to finish it. And, you know, I'm I'm still a little bit stretched out, but I, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel at this point. But but it, it's just, you know, just a lesson for me. It's like, yeah, you think you got this focus thing figured out. You're you're getting your field guides done. You're getting your podcast. You're you're a reliable partner to the people you work with. And then it just takes one thing. Yeah. You know, and um. And that was a good reminder for me about, you know, a sloppy yes can can cause a lot of problems in your life. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Yeah, but that's really not the, you know, that's not part of the report card for the year. Although I will say, you know, I did, well, I think I made progress during the year. I had a stumble at the end of the year and I'm, uh, I'm recovering from it, but I'm also learning from it. I, at least I'd like to hope I'm learning from it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, another thing I did this year was I went on a spirit quest about journaling because I became a believer in journaling last year, but I wasn't really happy with, you know, the nerdy workflow on it. And, um, I think I found my, uh, my happy place on this. I've, I've gone through a couple different types of journal books and applications and, and now what I think I really am using is I got a ring system. I got the Levenger ring system, and uh, but there's a bunch of them. You can get them cheaper than Levenger. But the uh, the, the the ability to take pages out and reorder them and, and combine them into different books makes sense. And and uh, I just feel like all the fiddliness of that has seemed to kind of faded away at this point. And now I'm just using the tool, and I'm kind of glad because I was kind of unhappy with myself by how long it was taking for me to figure out how I wanted to do it. You've almost convinced me to give the Levenger disk system a, a try. And I did recommend it to somebody the other day who was asking about if I knew anybody who could custom print like a Baron Fig confidant style notebook. I think it makes a ton of sense if you want a lot of structure in the analog productivity planning workflow. And uh, I am excited to see how this changes by the next time I see you. I want to see it in person and <laughs> see you snap the things in and out. That's the the one thing I think that kind of holds me back is I feel like that would that would uh the, the paper wouldn't wouldn't necessarily uh be sustainable if you if you do that a lot. But um I, I think that this is for someone who wants a, a kind of build your own system and has the ability to to design and print things yourself, this is this is a solid system. Yeah. So what what I did, and and I'll uh, I'll explain it more um, next year as I'm kind of solidifying what I do. But I have um, basically I have three ring binders. I have one which is just the 
the yearly journal. And so as I go through pages, I take a picture of them with GoodNotes. GoodNotes has a really cool scan feature. It's a it's a recent update. And um, so it scans it in. So you've got a digital version of it at the end of the day. And then, uh, so I have the I have the, the the small ring binder that I carry around every day and I write in and do work in and it's got the monthly stuff and it's got tabs for legal and Max Barkey and whatnot. But then when I, and a, and a lot of blank paper in that one. And then when I finish, like when I finish a day, I take it out of this ring binder and then I put it in that separate ring binder that's just a, a journal for the year. And I can go through that later as I need it and access it. But it's just, I don't carry it with me at all times. You know, within a few days of me doing a daily journal, I, I put it into the, I guess I'd say the archive journal. And then I've got a separate one, which is to me kind of like a commonplace book. Like when I see little quotes I like, I write them, I carry them in the daily carry journal. But once that fills up, I put it into the commonplace or um, I went and watched one of my daughter's plays. My daughter does a lot of playwriting stuff, and I wrote down a whole bunch of thoughts after I had watched that, and then I put it into commonplace, you know. And the reason why I really went to the ring system was I was doing that before with bound journals, mm-hmm. but I had this crazy indexing system, and you had to like go to, you know, journal two, page 38, and then journal four, page 22, and it was just yeah. like, it, it was just nuts. And I like I just wanted the ability to, no matter when I write this stuff, to put it in a logical order. And the downside of the ring system is the paper isn't as nice as some of the bound books, but it's it's nice enough. And um the upside of of putting logical order to it without having some really, you know, nutty index is the big win for me. And the other thing is you can get a punch for this journal. And like I had a client meeting the other day and we're working on a, an extensive contract. So I just took my copy of it with all my red lines and I punched it and put it in my daily carry journal. So then I sat down with the client. I was able to flip through it, you know, and, you know, it was it was really nice having my reference material right there so I could write on it during our meeting. And, you know, it just. You know, so I, I find all sorts of uses for it. Another thing I do is at the beginning of the week, when I've got my week mapped out in the calendar app on my Mac, I print out that in color and I just punch it and put it in the book for the week. So I have it there as a reference. So there's just things you can do with it that you wouldn't be able to do with a bound journal. And um, it's been a, a real win for me. I'll, I'll talk about this more at some point, but the the big win for me is like I was fiddling with that way too much for several months of this year, buying different notebooks and not liking this one. And, you know, I mean, it was like, it started to feel like, um, you know, that thing where you spend all the time talking about the tools instead of actually using the tools. Yeah. And that's no longer a thing. Now I've got a system. I think I'm, I suspect I'll still be using this next year at this time. So nice. That's good. You also started moving the needle. Yeah, I, I really rethought this year the way I track time. And I, I still am a time tracker, and I still like to look at my uh, timing app data on my Mac and, and some of the stuff Apple does now. But I I wanted to be more focused on tracking and being kind of aware of the time that matters every day, the time that moves the needle. And we did a, an episode on this. But that is still a daily thing for me, and it still continues to kind of push me forward and encourage me 
to spend time being focused every day. Like when I get to the end of the day, I can see, and it's happened to me, especially in the last month where I get to the end of the day and I had a full day, but I didn't move the needle or I moved it very little. And that, uh, that's that feedback again, that, that immediately tells me, Hey buddy, you got a problem. And like, I, I, I know I've been in trouble the last month or so with this extra yes, but I knew it immediately because of the systems I built. <laughs> and nice. I've been, I, th I think I've been, um, kind of compensating for it better than I would have otherwise, but it's also like this daily reminder to me that you just can't use it. You know, I just have to be so much more careful about saying yes to things. Sure. No, that makes, that makes sense because you can, if you can identify the cause of the pain that you're experiencing, you can tell yourself, well, I just won't do that again next time. But if you don't know where it came from, then you just resent the fact that it's there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But it's been a big help. All this stuff. And I have done more focused time. I think the the field guides I've released this year have been the best that I've ever made because I was able to focus on them. The I I feel like the the work I'm doing as a lawyer is is top notch and the podcasting and the right I, I feel like I'm clicking on all cylinders because of the focused superpower that I've been, you know, working on. I still have a ways to go. You know, some of my big feedback coming out of the year is, yeah, I can do this. You can teach an old dog new tricks. I can get better at this. Um, but I also, like, I was feeling pretty cocky around October by getting, you know, two field guides out and thinking, oh, man, I'm right on track to get another one going. And I screwed up by, by I think, thinking that, oh, yeah, I can take on the world now. I think it's just something that comes out of this naturally. And, uh, you know, I stumbled, but that, that's okay. I, it's not like I wasn't going through something like you were going through. It's not like, you know, but I, I did make some mistakes. And, and one of my takeaways, as I sit here is, you know, focus is definitely not a destination. It's a place you need to struggle to stay at. Yeah, definitely. Um, so how do you, myself. How do you, as I say, how do you think you did overall? Uh, you know, it's been a good year for me. I, I feel like, um, I'll get, you know, I'm not good at this. I'll, I'll give myself a B. It, it might've been a B plus except for the last couple of months, but, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, it, I don't think I'm at an A yet, but I, I definitely, you know, talking to you, making this show, I think helped a lot. And, and also just being more self-aware. Um, I think I'm, I'm making progress with this stuff. Awesome. We'd love to hear from the listeners, by the way, how you how you th feel like you did this year or even your word for the year, if you want to continue that theme, that is a really interesting exercise. I'm glad that you were willing to go through it with me, David, because when I did it the first time, it was a really, really powerful just to think through and encapsulate everything that I had gone through. It really brought a lot of clarity to the things that I've been through, things that honestly I've, I've overcome and made me feel a lot better about where I'm at right now. So if uh, you want to contribute, we'd love to hear what, your word for the year is or what you would grade yourself in the forums. Don't be so hard on yourself, Mike. You had a good <laughs> year. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> this episode of Focused is brought to you by Hrefs. Whether you work for a big brand, you run your own small business, or you do freelance work, getting traffic to your website is always a challenge. There's so much competition out there, and if you're just starting out, it can be really hard to get some attention when a lot of other places have been around for a lot longer and have a lot of traffic already. So Ahrefs is kind of your 
all-in-one SEO secret weapon. It helps you solve a lot of the problems around SEO. It gives you the tools that you need to rank your website in Google and get tons of search traffic. You can delve into how your competitors are getting traffic and why. You can see the pages and the content that send them the most traffic. You can get estimated search volumes with their Keywords Explorer tool. So you can see how well a piece of content that you're thinking about creating is likely to perform before you even write it. They've got some automation tools too, like the site audit feature, which will check the technical health of your website from an SEO perspective. It crawls all of your pages and it checks for things like broken links, if redirects are set up correctly and hundreds of other possible errors and then gives you a report of exactly what you need to fix where. I first heard about Hrefs when I attended the talk that Sam O put on at the Craft and Commerce conference in Boise this last summer on keyword research. And I went into that talk knowing absolutely nothing about SEO. And if you're like me, you probably were a little bit apprehensive about the topic of SEO because you don't know where to start. You don't understand uh, what you need to do. And I walked out of that session with a much better understanding of what was possible for me using SEO. One of the things that I got from that session, and Samo also does all of the YouTube videos for Hrefs on their YouTube channel where he explains a lot, a lot of this stuff for even if you're a complete beginner to help you wrap your head around this is, is uh, search intent. So if people are searching for something and you're able to answer the questions that they have, that can be one of the things that can help you rank highly. Well, how do you know what people are searching for? You go into Ahrefs like I did and you look at the questions that people are asking. And then you can create content which answers those questions. And that's probably the thing that I like best about Ahrefs is those questions. You can get a lot of insight and a lot of ancillary topics will spring up when you start looking at the questions that people are asking and then you start thinking about how you can best answer those. That really is the key for a delivering something that's of value to somebody. That's that's my goal whenever I create a piece of content is I want to make something that's worth the time people would spend reading it. And Ahrefs makes that really simple. So if you are looking for clues and, on what to create content for, whether it's for a simple simple blog for yourself, or if you have a corporate website where you're trying to fit, where you're trying to drive sales, uh, Ahrefs is a tool that can help you do just that. Uh, go to hrefs.com right now and sign up for their seven-day trial for just $7. That is A-H-R-E-F-S.com and start getting reports on your website, see what's performing well, and figure out your next move, whether you've got just a personal website you want to get a following on or your company needs more traffic to convert into sales. Go there right now, hrefs.com, A-H-R-E-F-S.com and get that $7 trial. Our thanks to Ahrefs for their support of Focused and all of Relay FM. So, Mike, we had a tweet from uh, from a listener about the last episode on sleep, and he said, "Why no mention of caffeine? It's my greatest sleep related discovery. Coffee in the afternoon will mess up my sleep." <laughs> it is true. Yeah, we we kind of blew that. Uh, honestly, we did. I, uh, caffeine in the afternoon. I don't do caffeine after about two o'clock. Yes, uh, we did not touch on caffeine. That was an oversight. But if after I saw that tweet, I realized that if we would have covered caffeine, it would have been a two-hour episode because I have lots of thoughts on on caffeine. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, you've been talking to me about it offline, and, and I thought it'd be fun to talk about caffeine as a tool towards focus. Yeah, I probably like a lot of things in my life take my caffeine consumption way too seriously. So uh, I've looked into this and I'll try to distill down my findings here. But the bottom line is that caffeine is a drug and you need to recognize that because you can use it positively, but also it can be become a, a negative addiction. Uh, there's a lot of things that go into uh, the impact that caffeine has on your body. And as you drink more caffeine, your body gets used to it. So a cup of coffee when you're just starting off and you aren't drinking caffeine is going to have a higher impact than after you've been drinking the same cup of coffee at the same time every day for several years. But that being said, there is a general safe zone in terms of how much caffeine you should be drinking in a, in a day. This is according to the Mayo Clinic. They say up to 400 milligrams per day is, is kind of the, the safe zone. Uh, the average eight ounce cup of coffee, because 400 milligrams, what does that mean? I, I had to look this up. The average eight ounce cup of coffee has about 100 milligrams. So that's about four cups of coffee. And if you are an espresso drinker, a single shot has about 63 milligrams. A double shot is about 125. So three double espressos uh, in a given day. The caffeine that you consume, back to your original point about not drinking coffee in the afternoon, caffeine has a four to six hour half-life, which means that four to six hours, about half of the caffeine that you consumed is still in your body. So if you drink caffeine later in the day, that will definitely mess up your sleep cycles. And I know people who say, well, it doesn't have any impact. And my response is always, well, your sleep is really messed up if it doesn't have any impact. Yeah, I know. Uh, we go to Disneyland frequently. You know, that's the advantage of living in Orange County. And so often we'll be leaving in the evening and I see people just pouring out of the Disneyland Starbucks with their cups of coffee at like 10 at night. And I'm just thinking, what are you doing? I can't imagine. Yep. Yep. Uh, uh, but, you know, the you know, I want to talk about kind of the positive effect of using caffeine for focus because I know that you, you kind of game the system, right? I don't know if I game the system, but uh, I try to optimize it. <laughs> Let's put it All that right. way. Uh, another thing you need to recognize about caffeine is that it does not give you energy, but it prevents an energy dip. So the people who are pouring out of Starbucks after the sun goes down, it's already too late for that caffeine to have any impact because the reason that they're going in there, most of them, is that they feel tired. <laughs> and at that yeah. point, it's it's over. You need to drink it before you you feel it. So optimizing caffeine. Uh, there's actually a great resource for this, by the way, in, in Make Time by John Zorowski and Jake Knapp. They have a whole section on optimizing caffeine. And uh, when I read that, I, it, they basically do the same thing that, that I had been doing. And they, they recommend that you don't drink your coffee right after you wake up. Because when you wake up, you have uh, high levels of, of cortisol, I believe, that are kind of helping you ramp up as you start your day. And if you were to consume caffeine at that point, it's going to have kind of minimal effects. So if you wake up at six, really the prime time to be drinking coffee is more like 930, a couple hours later. This is what I try to do. And sometimes it, sometimes I'll drink it a little bit earlier because my wife and I both drink coffee and we'll make it. Sometimes she's got a, she's on her way uh, to the gym or something in the morning. And so she'll make uh, a, some coffee before she leaves. 
uh, at 8.30, just so we don't have to make it twice. Okay, but the whenever I can, I will drink my first cup of coffee about 9 a.m. And then your energy naturally is going to dip a little bit in the afternoon, which is honestly a great time for a nap. I know you're a napper, David. Uh, but if you can't take a nap, that's also a great time to have some some caffeine. So kind of last call for me is about 1.30 to 2.30. I usually try to drink my uh, second cup of coffee right after lunch, so about 1, 1 p.m. And then that gives me the the energy that I need to make it through the the rest of the day feeling alert and focused in whatever I'm trying to do. Yeah, I mean, it's funny because I think Chris Bailey talked about this too in the Productivity Project book. Um, it's just a lot of people who want to be productive fight against that, you know, at, uh, late morning slump using, I guess, um, you know, this this deployment of coffee. Yep. Yeah, and they, the, I guess, the the common mistakes that people make when it comes to coffee is they they drink it too early, they drink too much, and they drink it too late. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, the, the more you understand about the process, you can kind of use this tactically to maximize your energy and your, your focus. But also, like I said at the beginning, your body gets used to this. So in addition to like my coffee ritual, I have an automated pour-over thing. It's a Chemex automatic. So I can grind the beans, set it up, hit the button, and then it basically makes a pour-over coffee for me. Uh, a larger Chemex. So usually my wife and I'll split like a five cup Chemex in the, the morning. Um, and a five cup, by the way, I don't know exactly what they what that equates to. It ends up being about two eight ounce cups of coffee for me and one for my wife. Uh, and then in the afternoon, we'll each have uh, another. So it's, it's less than the 400 milligrams. But um, like I said, your body becomes accustomed to this. So occasionally, I will go on a coffee fast. And at the beginning of the year, just go 21 days, absolutely no coffee to kind of give myself a caffeine reset. And this, uh, a lot of people will talk about how when they don't have their coffee, they have headaches. That, that kind of is an indicator that you become too accustomed to this. Um, I, the, the last couple of times that I've done this, I have not had any of the headaches. The first time that I did it, I did. And that, that kind of showed me that Maybe I'm a little bit more addicted to this substance than I realized. But again, you you can you can use it tactically, and there's a lot of positive benefits that can come from using it in moderation. But you do need to recognize the impact that it's having on your body if you want to use it effectively. Yeah, my my wife when she was pregnant stopped drinking coffee both times, and it was rough for her <laughs> that that transition. Yep. Well, you know, I feel like I'm missing out on something. I don't drink coffee. Um, for me, it started out as a grudge thing. My sister told me when I went to college that I'd be drinking coffee within a week, you know, and I just wanted to prove her wrong. And so I just didn't. But I just don't care for the taste of it. That's, you know, I have not, I was thinking about this as we were prepping the show. I don't think I've drank a full cup of coffee in my life. I've had <laughs> sips of it on occasion but I can't think of a time that I've actually drank a cup of coffee and I just don't care for the taste. Um, I have been self-medicating caffeine as well though, through tea. And, um, and one of the things tricks I use is matcha. 
matcha is a kind of it's 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 a green tea just like i usually drink green tea but matcha is ground up green tea into like dust and you mix it into the water so you're literally drinking the tea leaves and it's got a higher caffeine as a result of it and often if i'm feeling down or like i need a little pick me up i will drink a cup of matcha and it, i can tell a difference between drinking that versus drinking normal green tea I just did a search while you were talking about matcha versus coffee and the internet is just full of advice as usual. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Yeah. Uh, But I I have to tell you, I'm a little coffee curious. It's like, should I like try and figure this out? Am I missing out on something? But tell you the truth, I'm just probably going to go make a cup of matcha. (laughs) Well, caffeine to me is probably what fountain pens are to you. It's not something that you need uh you don't need to have a fancy pour over coffee every morning but i choose to because it's one of those things that i like the taste and it brings me joy and it started off as a whole process and it was a manual process and it took 15 to 20 minutes every single day and that's a lot of time yeah but it was it became part of a ritual it was almost like my reward for completing my morning routine is yeah. I would go through this process and I enjoyed the process. And then at the end, I had a delicious cup of coffee made from beans that most people would say that's way too expensive, you know, but this is one of the things that I choose to spend some money on. Because again, it, it brings me joy for people who are just looking to optimize their caffeine. Don't go start drinking pour over coffees. <laughs> but if you really like coffee, then be okay with that and make some compromises in some other areas. You know, you, you want to have some some margin. You can't do everything, but by choosing the things that are going to bring you joy, ultimately that's going to make you more productive because happy people are productive people. Yeah, I, it, for me, it really comes down to taste. We had a recent family gathering. There was some brown ice cream. I assumed it was chocolate. I took one bite and I'm like, oh, what is this? And it was <laughs> it's like, I don't know. It's not coffee flavored, but it was Coke. I don't remember, whatever. Yeah. But the um but so for me it's a taste thing, but but I do use caffeine via tea. However, tea is a poor substitute to coffee when it comes to the amount of caffeine you get out of it. Sure, sure. It definitely is an acquired taste too. I mean, my own coffee journey, I started off with the really sugary, like the caramel macchiatos from from Starbucks. And yeah. then I'm fortunate, fortunate maybe, <laughs> to have a, a brother who is an extreme coffee snob who kind of got me hooked on on black coffee. And uh, when I figured out that I could buy the pour over stuff and make my own at home and control the, the end product. And just like, again, I just, uh, I enjoy the process of, of doing that. Uh, I enjoy the, 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 the sound of the, as corny as this sounds, like I, I enjoy the sound of the fancy grinder that I have grinding my beans. I enjoy pouring the water over the, the coffee and seeing it bubble up. I enjoy hearing it drip through the the filter. Like that's that's fun for me. And it kind of puts me in a positive state then for the the rest of my rest of my day. Um, but you're not just gonna start drinking black coffee no matter how great the beans you buy <laughs> are. Uh, you're gonna have to you're gonna have to get accustomed to it. And for some people, I totally get why they think it's gross. I always thought it was gross too. It's only actually been in the last five or so years that I've developed a taste for coffee, but. Well, 
I think if I were to do it, I would probably like go for an espresso where it's just like pure caffeine infusion with, <laughs> with, with as little coffee drinking as possible. Yeah. But, uh, the problem with espresso is that if you want to make that at home, the good espresso gear is way more expensive than the good pour over coffee gear. <laughs> Boy, the, the more we talk about this, the better my matcha and tea sounds to me. <laughs> <laughs> when it broke, don't fix it. <laughs> I, I actually like the taste. So there you go. But but I'm like you. I like I will not even drink a matcha in the afternoon because a matcha definitely has a higher caffeine feel to me than a regular uh, green tea does. So my my goal or my kind of caffeine deployment is like yours. I, I don't do it first thing in the morning. Um, I like to, as we've talked about on the show in the morning, just get up and work. And so, you know, the whole system is planned around me having two or three hours of solid focus time before I do anything. But then I will go maybe work out and make a matcha and, or, or a regular tea and drink that through the morning. And then usually after lunch, I'll make another one if I want, not always, but, but often, but that's it. And like after two, three o'clock, I don't consume any more caffeine because it does keep me jittery and, and awake if I do that. I'm curious because I know you are a napper. Have you experimented with caffeine naps at all? Yeah, I'm aware of them, but I've never tried it. I do these on the weekends sometimes where I'll have my second cup of coffee about one o'clock. And then uh, immediately after that, because it takes a little while for the caffeine to be absorbed into your system, you can take a nap and you'll wake up 20, 30 minutes into it. But at that point, the caffeine is kicked in and, and you feel very alert and uh, very focused, at least my experience. And uh, again, I don't do this during the work days typically, but it definitely does work. If you, uh, if you need to, if you want to take a nap, but you don't want to sleep for an hour and a half, that's typically what happens to me when I lay down for a nap and I'm not drinking coffee beforehand. Uh, That's probably why nap. you're not a napper if, if yeah, you do an hour and a I half. Sleep, I sleep hard, <laughs> but not when I drink coffee first. You know, the, the caffeine nap really does does work. Yeah, I, I always set an alarm for like 35 minutes. That's kind of, because I figure it takes me about five minutes to fall asleep and I'll get 30 minute nap. And and I, you know, Apple Watch is great for that. Your wrist starts vibrating, you wake up, you get back to work. And um, that's that's the the key to napping is not to do the the rim cycle just get a short nap in when we were on vacation um we were swimming in the ocean a lot and i one afternoon my wife and i were like let's just take a nap and i'm like great and that little thing in my head said well don't set an alarm you'll be fine and i slept for like three hours exactly yep (laughs) (laughs) so uh so even on vacation in the future i will be setting an alarm when i nap (laughs) This episode of the Focus Podcast is brought to you by FreshBooks. Okay, you free agents, you want to save 192 hours? There's a way to do that. And that's what our friends at FreshBooks can help you do with their super simple cloud accounting software. By simplifying tasks like invoicing, tracking expenses, and getting paid online, FreshBooks has drastically reduced the time it takes for over 10 million people, myself included, to deal with their paperwork. FreshBooks is just solves the problem for me. Uh, With FreshBooks, you've got a notification center when you log in. It's like your personal assistant. You always know what's changed in your business since you last logged in and what needs to be dealt with. When I log into FreshBooks, I can see who's paid me, who hasn't paid me, where I need to do additional work. 
And FreshBooks also automates those late payment email reminders. So if someone hasn't paid you, they get a friendly email that you can customize uh, so you can spend less time chasing payments and more time doing your work and making your magic. Uh, I love FreshBooks because I had a problem about getting invoice and I was trying to kind of roll my own system. Um, a year or two ago, I switched over to FreshBooks with the all my Max Sparky invoicing, and I just get paid now. It's so great. It, the The people that you know I do work for get a simple to use online invoice. They can pay with their credit card right there. They can send me a check. There's any. There's a whole bunch of ways they can pay you through FreshBook, and FreshBook keeps track of it all for me. And I am doing much better on getting paid. So if you're listening to this ad and not using FreshBooks yet, now is the time to try it. FreshBooks is offering an unrestricted 30-day free trial for listeners of the show. There's no credit card required. All you have to do is go to freshbooks.com slash focused and enter focused in the how did you hear about us section. We're always hearing from listeners that are starting some kind of indie project or side hustle. If you want to get paid on that side hustle, hustle just set up a freshbooks account for very little investment with freshbooks you've solved the getting paid problem which is probably the fundamental problem of getting out on your own so we thank freshbooks for their support of this show and all of relay fm all right david talk to us about your other life yeah i am taking on a new life as a jedi knight uh, you know, I, I was talking about how I got a little frustrated over the last couple of months. I felt kind of strung out and I realized I needed something to do. Sometimes in the evening, I was just too wound up about everything and I wanted a little escape, right? And we've talked about video games in the past in the show. I generally like video games, but I'm not really very good at them or that interested in what I would call twitchy video games, you know, where you, uh, you've got to be you know, like the first person shooter kind of stuff. And I just wanted something kind of fun as an escape. And and I can't play my saxophone at 10 o'clock at night when I'm finding myself wound up. Uh, so I started looking for alternatives. And there's been something on my radar for literally nine years. It's, a, um, it's an online role-playing game called um, Star Wars The Old Republic. And it, it's an old game. You know, it's been around for a long time, but it's what you call a massively multiplayer online role-playing game. And I actually have a history with games like this. I don't know if I've ever mentioned it on this show, but I, I played the predecessor. This was called Star Wars Galaxies years ago. And, you know, of course, the fact that it has Star Wars attached to it is going to attract me because that's a that's kind of my little corner of fandom. I don't have time to keep track of all the different fandom things, but Star Wars is the one that I do keep up with. And, um, but I didn't have a good relationship with that game where... I didn't, I wasn't able to really control myself, you know? And I, I distinctly remember myself, I was playing the game too much. Then I had like these mines in the game. The game had like the ability to mine resources that you could then sell. It had its own like economy. And I remember driving home from work one day and thinking to myself, I need to get home because the, the minerals shifted and I got to move my mines, you know, I got to <laughs> run my, my star Wars business. And then mm -hmm. it occurred to me, I have two little kids at home. And the reason I need to get home was to cancel my Star Wars online account. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't spend time moving mines when I had two little kids at home. So I literally did that. I drove home and I canceled the account and never thought about it again. But so I've always felt like uh, this is kind of like a maybe my 
my dopamine addicted personality is not fit for an online game like that because I could get sucked into it too much. But at the same time, I, when I was thinking about all the things I could do for a little bit of escape, this one really called out to me something that I think I would enjoy. So as somebody who makes a show called Focus, I decided I'm going to try and go down that rabbit hole again, but this time with limits. So over <laughs> the last month, I've set up this account and I have my little Jedi Knight and I went into it with my eyes open that I am not going to get sucked into this more than I need to be. So uh, I thought that'd be the part that'd be fun to share. Not every, I mean, obviously very few people are interested in playing this dumb old game, but I think you do need to think about limits when you take on things that, that can uh, take over your life. So when I downloaded it, first I wanted to see if it worked. I happened to have a Windows install on my my laptop because of something else I'm doing. So it was very easy. It's a Windows-only game. But that actually gave me my first benefit in terms of setting boundaries is you can run Windows on a Mac via Parallels or you can run it via Boot Camp. Now, Parallels allows you to run Windows at the same time as your Mac. And with a nine-year-old game, it's fine. You know, I mean, it's going to look great and be fine yeah. on a parallels install. But one of the first choices I made about it was I am only going to have boot camp install on my computer. I, I only had boot camp anyway for the the project I was working on. I'm not going to add something like parallels where I can open the game anytime I'm sitting at my computer. So that was the first boundary I set. And then the second one I decided to set was I'm only going to play this game when I schedule time for it or when I have successfully completed a day. So if I have, like, if I feel myself kind of stressed out and I want to take a little break, maybe I'll schedule an hour for it in the afternoon and put it on the calendar and make it that intentional, you know, me time. And mm -hmm. I'll, I'll play for an hour, but it's on the schedule. Or if I have finished the day, done my shutdown, moved the needle, got into the evening, maybe my... My daughter has gone into her homework cave. My wife is not interested in watching TV with me, and I'm sitting there alone. Then I'll open it up and play it if I want. And then the other thing I did was looked at it because these online role playing games, they are dopamine machines. You know, they they want you to say, well, not only should you level this character up, you can and now with this game, I could create multiple characters. I could create a bounty hunter, and I could create a dark Jedi. I could create a you know, uh, whatever, you know, and I said, I'm not going to do any, I'm not going to fall for that trap. You know, I just wanted a little time to pretend I'm a Jedi Knight. So I've got a character <laughs> that's a Jedi Knight and this game has kind of unlimited content right. and you can play, you can play it singly or you can play it with other people, but there's many, many missions in there uh, on, and there's many plans. I don't even know how many plans there are. I haven't, I haven't explored enough of it to know at this point, but there's a lot. And every planet you go on, there's somebody that needs help finding lost orphans or stopping a supply of illegal weapons or whatever. And as a, as a do-gooder Jedi Knight, I can pick up one of those missions and run it. And usually I'm done within 30 to 30 minutes to an hour. 
And I go report back and they give me the little dopamine hit of, oh, here's some experience points and here's some money for helping us out. And I feel good because I, you know, I found orphans, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and then I log out of the game and, and finish the day. And it was a little escape for me, but uh, so I've been doing it a month. I I've been successful so far. I, I, I told myself, you know, do it for a month and then look back on it to see how much time you actually spent on it. You know, did you fall into the trap? And I realized this is another thing that's not a destination. It's an ongoing thing you have to keep aware of. But, but uh, you know, something that I was a little afraid of could take too much time. I'm not doing too much with it. And it is giving me that little break I was looking for. Nice. Uh, I think you're approaching this the right way with all of the structure that you have in place and using it, unless you've got scheduled time for it, using it as a reward. I think there's a lot of value and that's something that I'm not very good at is giving myself rewards for doing a good job on things, uh, even achieving goals that I had set out to to get done by the, the end of the year, whatever that standard goal setting protocol is that you give yourself a reward when you're done. I, I tend not to do that sort of thing. I think there's a lot of value in that. I do think that with an MMORPG specifically, you're playing with fire <laughs> i know it i'm aware of it <laughs> so report back i guess if everything breaks but <laughs> no i i have told myself that look you know as, as fun as this is paying for my daughter's college is probably more important so <laughs> if i'm going you know i have an omnifocus task to actually track the time this is one where i do do time tracking you know you know and it's like i looked in the last uh, week um i spent three hours in it and assuming a 15 hour day, that's 3% of the week I spent on it. And that's, that's about right for me, you know, even like five hours would be okay. If it was a week where I got a lot of work done and I have happened to have a lot of downtime in the evenings, but, but the, uh, I am very aware of this and, and I, I know my personality and I love star Wars. So I could see myself saying, Oh, now I want to make other characters. And, but I, I'm keeping myself in very much, under limits with this. And one of the best things I did was the whole boot camp thing, the the technology part of it, where in order to play it, I literally have to turn my computer off and restart it. Yeah. And I think that if I had put it on with a like a parallels install, which is a, an app that lets you run Windows on the Mac, then the three percent would be like ten percent. And yeah, then it's I'd too have accessible. To, exactly. So um, I'm real happy with myself about that. That's something I've done okay and given myself a little reward without creating problems. But I'm going to be, you have to keep me honest on this, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Will do. <laughs> but the uh, but it's fun and I'm having a good time. And, and uh, I feel like, you know, focus doesn't mean just working all the time. And yeah. I wanted to make the point that, you know, if you do get some focus in your life, why not? find a way to reward yourself, but just make sure you're, you're self-aware about it. You can have a cookie once in a while. Just don't keep them in the pantry. <laughs> but, but you are absolutely right. It, it, we talk about caffeine being a drug. For me, Star Wars is a drug. So I have to <laughs> be very careful about the way I play this game. Yeah. Uh, speaking of focus and work, there's an interesting thread in the forum that I wanted to talk about here real briefly called How to Stay Focused in an Open Office Environment. The original post by Shelko says, I work in an open office environment. I constantly struggle with intrusions on my concentration network. I work as a sole marketing person in my company. So my day is essentially a constant stream of people coming to my desk to request graphics or document edits. I've tried to encourage people to send requests via email so I can prioritize and triage based on priority, but that never lasts long. 
put headphones on when I'm really trying to focus to discourage people from talking to me in person, but it rarely seems effective. I'm struggling with the constant abrupt project switches and I find my days so unproductive and I'm exhausted by the end of it. Any advice is appreciated. There's a lot of people who have chimed in, a lot of great stuff in here, but the one specifically that I wanted to call out here is from Jay Koopmans. He has a sign. Uh, I guess I'm assuming this is a he. I'm not sure about that. Uh, they have a, a sign on their desk and they posted a picture of it. And I'm just going to talk through this. It's very top. It says, if headphones are on, colon, and then big, bold letters, do not disturb. I'm trying to get work done. (laughs) Then there is a section about exceptions checklist. Number one, are you on fire? And I'm the only one who can put you out. (laughs) Number two, am I on fire and don't realize it? Number three, is it judgment day and are machines becoming self-aware? Remember, Skynet is coming. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then there's an FAQ section. Uh, and then the first question is, how are you doing? Answer, good. <laughs> Next question, what are you working on? <laughs> answer, stuff. <laughs> Next question, how's stuff going? Answer, see answer one. <laughs> this is brilliant. And then the last one, uh, what is the answer to the ultimate question of life, the universe, and everything? 42. He says that when people stop by and he has his headphones on, he points to this sign, and then they laugh and move on. <laughs> I thought this was brilliant. No, it's great. I mean, I think this applies even beyond the open office. I mean, anytime you work with other humans, uh, people want to interrupt and come visit you. And um, and I, I talked about this. We had an episode earlier this year where there was a young attorney that wrote in and I'd given some advice. And uh, one of the things I do, like if you can wear headphones, I think that's great because headphones are just such a clear. And I would get the biggest, ugliest, like really colorful over-the-ear cans you can find, so it's obvious that you're wearing them from far. Um, but if you're not in a place where you can wear headphones, I, I would just, I would, um, when people ask me a question, I'd say, okay, why don't you, um, let's schedule a meeting and give me all, and we'll sit down and go over all the questions you have. Yep. And we'd schedule the meeting right there when they walked in, and we wouldn't discuss it any further. And um, And then you only have to do that a few times with people. And then they start to understand that's how you work. They may not they may not like it, but they understand that's how you work. And then before long, then you start getting an email that says, "Hey, can I schedule a meeting with you to go over some things?" And you don't get the interruption, you know. And uh, so yep. there's there's other ways to deal with this too. But I really like really like that sign, and I just love the way everybody in the forum pitched in on this. Yeah, I mean, obviously, there's some humor associated with this, but the the real thing that's worth calling out here, I think. That's of value to people who do want to, like Shellco, create some uninterrupted focus time is managing the expectations. And there are lots of ways that you can do that. I remember hearing about a couple of researchers who shared a desk and they had a pencil in the middle. And when one of them had a question, they would pick up the pencil and bring it to their side of the desk. And that was a visual indication. No words were spoken that I have a question the next time that you have a, an opportunity, I need to talk something over with you. And then five, 10 minutes go by and then they, they re- see that the pencil's gone and they, they stop what they're doing and they solve the problem and they, they resume their work. You can do other things with cue lights and different signs and things. I've actually thought about that. I, I record podcasts in the basement office in our house. And the basement is also where the kids tend to go to play. And there's a light right at the top of the stairs where as long as they're out of the basement, I don't have to worry about any noise being picked up. They can be bouncing off the walls upstairs and, and I'm not going to hear it down here in my my 
work cave. <laughs> but uh, have, I've thought about putting a, a Philips Hue light at the light at the top of the stairs. And when I'm recording a podcast, tapping a button on my Elgato stream deck that you convinced me to buy, David, <laughs> that turns it turns it red, you know, and that indi- visual indication that as soon as they open the door, they see the lights red, oh, I'm not not supposed to go down there. You know, there's there's lots of different things that you could do with that. And automation has made this easier. But again, you're still going to have to have that conversation about the expectations. Agreed. Agreed. Well, we went a little long today, but it was fun kind of looking back at the prior year. And I feel like we both made progress this year. We did. And hopefully everybody who's listening has uh, made some progress as well. Focus on your wins, not your failures like I tend to do <laughs> and share them in the forum. Yeah. Yeah, let's hear from you and maybe we'll bring some of that up in a future show. Thank you to our sponsors today, our friends over at Squarespace, FreshBooks, and Hrefs. And we will see you in two weeks. <laughs>